0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Monday morning. My name is Mark Holcraft, your host for the morning. We just had two beautiful ladies come in here with just a great witness, great energy, um, and just speaking beautifully to the gift of focus um, but we're now joined uh, over the phone with another beautiful young lady, um, Michaela Ruth Cobley. Michaela, you there?
2: Yes, I am.
1: Awesome. <laughs> thanks for being with us. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, Michaela has a great story, and I'm excited to, to hear more about it. Um, so before maybe you dive into your story, you know, I gave a snippet right before the break. Uh, of you in just encountering a, a unique kind of suffering. So before we dive into that, could you just share a little bit about yourself with us?
2: Yeah, so I currently live in Southern Indiana. I am an artist, so I make rosaries. I paint primarily portraits of the saints, but also dinosaurs here and there. Awesome. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I write, and I also work part-time as a communications coordinator for a parish in the area.
1: Awesome. What what, what part of Southern Indiana, if you don't mind me asking?
2: I am in (laughs) Yeah, It's
1: right on the border of Kentucky. Sure, sure. Corksville. So uh, prior to my coming, because I'm kind of new with World Presence Radio, and I love being here. It's kind of a coming back home for my wife and I, but prior to that, we lived in Cincinnati, um, and I was Hmm. down in Southern Indiana kind of regularly. It's a beautiful area, so I like that part of the Mm -hmm. country. It's very pretty come here, awesome. And what, and you, you, so you're a self proclaimed artist making rosaries. And my kids would very much approve that you also admit to, uh, whether it's drawing or painting dinosaurs, I like it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as well as the saints. Well, um, tell us a little bit, you know, uh, and so we a little bit of background on you. Are, are you from southern Indiana? I am not,
2: I am from North Dakota, and then I've Well, I was also a focus missionary, so I, through that, moved to South Dakota and then to Michigan, and then I ended my time with focus, but moved on to Wisconsin and then back to North Dakota, and then now in Indiana. So
1: the Lord Lord is calling you. You're living the life of (laughs) a missionary. Missionary spirit, maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah, St. Paul is close. (laughs) <laughs> exactly,
1: it's no accident. I'm telling you, it's no accident that we have you sharing with us today on this feast of Saint Paul. It's so good. Um, well, so tell us, uh, tell us about your story. There's there's something unique that, from what I understand.
2: Yeah. So, in 2007, I was 16 years old, and I was driving home from a friend's house in my hometown of Minot, North Dakota, and I was broadsided or T-boned by a vehicle that was going 60 to 70 miles per hour through the intersection. And um, to describe my car, because I can't show a picture, my whole driver's side was smashed in, Um, but I was alive somehow, um, but unconscious. And I remained in a coma for five days. I had a bleed on my brain, a collapsed lung, and the other lung was partially collapsed. I had multiple fractures in my spine and pelvis, and a couple collapsed spinal discs and some severe bruising. And so my survival was not expected initially. And I received the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And after a couple of days, my condition started to stabilize, but I still weren't sure if I would wake up or that if I did, it, I would have full brain function or walk again.
1: And at this point, you're in a hospital in not? right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, keep going. didn't mean to cut you off. I was just uh, still trying to get no. a picture of it.
2: No, that, yeah, that was it. I was in a coma uh, for about five days. And then even after I woke up, I don't remember those first few days in the hospital. I never did, um, like, gain a memory of the crash itself. It was all just a mystery.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and so as you were talking, Michaela, Eli, uh, he just sent me uh, a picture of the accident. and I don't know, uh, there a picture of the car that you were driving. Mm-hmm. And so as you were explaining it, um, yeah, what I'm looking at is, that's incredible. The driver's side is totally smashed into about half the width of the car.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so so you're in the hospital. Um, if you don't mind me asking, just just as really to kind of paint paint the picture for our listeners, um, and I really did not have any pun intended with that, <laughs> for you <laughs> as an artist. Um, but as you paint the picture, so how long were you in the hospital for?
2: Uh, only nine days. So, and I didn't start remembering anything until day
1: eight. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, you're in the hospital for nine days. Day eight is when you start to remember things. Do I understand that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you say what kind of injuries did you suffer through that accident?
2: Um, so. By the time I woke up, most of the internal things were taken care of. Well, except I had, yeah, severe chronic pain, um, particularly in my back. And um, it hurt yeah, to do anything, even to lie down, to sit, to stand, to move. <laughs> yeah. Um And I was just, like, mentally suffering. I was just very confused. I didn't know what happened. I prior to the crash I was very active as an athlete and I suddenly couldn't roll over onto my side and I yeah, it was it was rough. <laughs> um, yeah. especially before I'd, you know, placed my worth in my achievements and then suddenly I I couldn't even, you know, roll over. I was like, What what is my life? I yeah. was told it was this miracle that I survived, and I didn't see it that way. I thought that I did die in the crash and that I was just left with this like, worthless broken body.
1: So tell us about, what did the Lord start to do? So this, you said you were 16, was this your junior year in high school?
2: Uh, yeah, it was the summer between my sophomore and
1: junior Okay, year. summer before your junior year. And then, what, uh, it's when did you start asking questions? It sounds like um, some questions started to stir for you, and you're, at, you're I mean you start to wrestle with some very deep real life questions you're starting mm-hmm. to question your value um, mm-hmm. maybe even some of the things that you took your identity in as an athlete maybe um, can you tell us more what started to unfold your junior senior year uh, even before college and leading into college
2: yeah i went into my junior year pretty discouraged, but I'm also, you know, pretty stubborn. And so I was determined to overcome this burden. Um, and, well, I guess I didn't mention, I. when I woke up, I didn't know if I would ever walk again. Okay. And so I was in a wheelchair, and... Um, pretty miraculously was able to start walking on my own after two months, but it was a very difficult two months. Um, more than the pain of just like not knowing if I would walk again and be able to do things again, but I was determined to do things again. And so I started to uh, just took baby steps to do more and more and um had some setbacks but just had this motivation to keep going forward but I didn't turn to God in any of it the most I said to him was that it sucked but I needed to like overcome it I didn't know that I could have asked him for help (laughs) and to um console me I just thought I had to overcome it on my own. Sure. And I Yeah. The <laughs> I felt well, pretty isolated. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and so at what point would you say you started to engage faith and see faith as a way of helping you in this whole
2: experience? So my Senior year in high school, our chaplain uh, he was teaching us about the dignity of the human person, and it just opened my eyes. It wasn't something that I had ever considered or known about, and so that opened a door. And then I went on a pilgrimage to Rome, and I had a conversation with someone who was talking to me about offering up suffering. And I didn't know that that was an option. And so I had all these ideas, but didn't know how to implement them in my life. Sure. And so it wasn't until college that I started to make the connection to Jesus and know who I could offer my sufferings up to.
1: Yeah. So in in high school, it sounds like these seeds are being planted. And mm-hmm. then in, in college, um, uh, experience maybe, did you start going to campus ministry?
2: Yeah. So, well, first of all, just, I had a random roommate assigned to me, and she, yeah, it was just a, a fellow freshman coming in, and she, her witness dramatically changed my life. Um,
1: Beautiful. Awesome.
2: would, yeah, come back to our dorm after a retreat and tell me about the real presence of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And I was like, what is she talking about? (laughs) So, yeah, um, that definitely influenced me. And then, uh, yeah, so I went to NDSU, and St. Paul's Newman Center and Focus, their, um, their outreach definitely gave me the resources I needed to Uh, grow in a relationship with Jesus and to know Him and to, like, yeah, just introduce me to the person that would walk with me in my suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, praise God for holy roommates, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The roommates,
1: (laughs) but also for NDSU's, you know, the campus ministry they had going and the Focus Missionaries. Um, mm-hmm. there, I mean, like we started to say, the so seeds were planted and then the Holy spirit, it starts to really nurture and just water those seeds in your college experience. Um, and it sounds like it was coming from a few directions. Um, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we had to take a break here in just a minute. But When we come back, I'd like to hear more of, uh, just the college experience and what was the Lord doing after that and what led you even, um, After that, after the the suffering, how have you desired to use that to minister to Mm -hmm. others? Um, Which has kind of been a growing theme in this morning's show, which I just praise God. That's awesome. Uh, (laughs) So uh, we'll come back with Michaela Ruth Cobley in just a minute, and we'll hear more about what the Lord was doing, how the Lord used her suffering to in turn for his greater good in serving others.
0: Live, engaging, and local. As a sole provider, the needs of my growing family are something I pray for daily. I know continuing my education will benefit my family in the end, but I worry about what I'll miss while doing so. University of Mary knows that choosing to continue your education at this point in life can be both challenging and rewarding. That's why we've created a robust portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online programs to make choosing easy. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E.
3: From that first moment of our earthly lives in our mother's womb, God blesses us with his personal messenger, his his guardian angel, who will be with us for the rest of our earthly lives, whether we live a day or a hundred years. That's relative, but what we know, and to be true, is that these Angels, our guardians, our protectors, are divinely uh, gifted to each of us, and uh, what a blessing. I mean, it's almost hard to put into words what it should mean to any of us to have this personal guardian angel for the entire duration of our earthly lives. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. If you have lost anyone to a sudden or tragic death, you can still help them. Please visit our website, suicideandhope.com, and memorialize those that you love. There is no obligation or cost. You can simply enter their first name, initials, or a nickname, and I will personally pray for them and have a mass said each month. Please again visit suicideandhope.com.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Mark Holcraft, your host. Uh, we are talking to Michaela Ruth Cobley, who has been sharing with us uh, a powerful story of suffering through a horrible car accident. Uh, having seen the image of the car after the accident helps to dictate um, it was not good. And uh, she, Michaela had shared that at some point, uh, I think some of the doctors and people there uh, in my not to indicate that she's even alive as a miracle. Um, and so we're talking to this miracle right now. Uh, she shares what the Lord continues to be doing. And so we're picking up in the middle of her college years. Uh, she's at NDSU. She's just been introduced, I think, to the campus ministry and to the focus missionaries. But in particular, there's one young lady who happens to be her roommate and Michaela, if you want to pick up from there, please do.
2: Yeah, so it's freshman year, and my roommate, Laura, she went on the the focus conference, and I did not go. I strategically had my wisdom teeth removed during it so that I had an excuse not to Strategy. go. Strategy. I was stubborn, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, but she came back, and she was talking about how Jesus was being processed through this hotel and the monstrance, and thousands of college students were dropping to their knees, and I was just trying to imagine the scene, which was difficult for me, because it was so outside of my understanding, and I just realized that I was the one who didn't understand who Jesus was, and that if I truly believed that He was present in the Eucharist, then... I should care, and my life should be different. And so I started to go to daily Mass um, soon after that encounter. And, yeah, it just changed my life and my desire to know the (laughs) real presence (laughs) of Jesus in the Eucharist. I mean, it's Um, catchy.
1: It's catchy. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it just changed everything. And I, yeah, every day Mass. Like, Jesus, I choose to believe. um, Help me to understand, because this is a mystery, and I, yeah. And I started praying with Scripture, which also was just transforming my life, and I particularly remember praying with the hemorrhaging woman, and, you know, she'd been suffering for years, and you know, she went to all these physicians, and they couldn't help her, and I really related to her, because I was I was suffering a lot, and, you know, some of my problems, the doctors just told me, well, it will maybe go away in five years, (laughs) and just, yeah, wasn't changing, and she, you know, she touched Jesus, and she was made well, and I thought that, you know, if Jesus is truly present, then if I touch him, I will be made well, and so I wondered, you know, if I'd like, one day he'd maybe re- heal me <laughs> when I was receiving the Eucharist, but um, eventually I discovered that, you know, I had found this goodness in offering up my pain and uniting my sufferings with him, but I started to become attached to my sufferings, and I thought that my purpose was in my pain, and I didn't want to be healed. And so it was a a journey <laughs> of Jesus showing me that he did desire for me to be healed and invited me to ask for healing. And, and so I did. And after six years of chronic pain, I was in Rome again. And I was at Mass in the room where St. Ignatius of Loyola had died. And St. Ignatius is a saint who had become very close to me in the previous couple years. And, after I received Jesus in the Eucharist, I went back to my spot, and I was just thanking the Lord for everything He had done in my life, and just yeah, the mere fact that I had a second chance to to choose him um, And all of a sudden, the pain in my back was just gone, and I didn't know. What happened? Well, I knew it was a miracle. I didn't know if it was, uh, like, for the moment, an assurance that he would heal me or if it was, you know, just, like, get me through the rest of the trip because I was in a lot of pain traveling. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that was, oh, man, numbers. Almost eight years ago? Don't quote me. But I my back is still good. I hiked the Camino. Um, it's been an incredible journey of actually living the healing, like knowing that he can bring good from our sufferings and that he is with us in our sufferings, but there's so much more that he desires for us.
1: Amen. Amen to that. I, I, you know, that's, um, before you continue on, that's just a, that's a great place to, to park, <laughs> so to say right now. It's just knowing that there's so much more he wants to communicate to you in the suffering mm-hmm. and, and in general. I mean, I like how you said it, how he wants to communicate that to, to us. You know, so you suffered a major accident. Uh, slowly, the Lord walked with you, and it's just the image that I have is He slowly held your hand through the rest of your high school and in those college years. You shared that. Uh, I think you briefly shared earlier that you were a focused missionary at one point. Did I hear that right? Yes,
2: for um, four years.
1: For four years, where and where did the Lord take you in those four years?
2: To
1: the University of South Dakota in Vermilion and Eastern Michigan University in Ipswich. okay so uh i'm just I'm just amazed you know you know i've i've had like I've strained a back muscle right and it's <laughs> and little uh, but yet it hurts when it happens, and you, you really you can't do much like back pain and knee pain are just unusual that they can mm-hmm. really take you out a lot and yet the Lord's taking you all over the country and all over the world uh, <laughs> you've Um, you have been on, um, uh, what was it? The, the Camino, um, Mm -hmm. which from what I understand is not a, (laughs) that's not, that's not an easy trail. It's not an easy hike, (laughs) right? That's (laughs) days at a time. Um, so God is good and faithful with, uh, what you have been able to accomplish, but he wants to share through you. Uh, Michaela, are there... Um, a story like that. Do you have that on a blog? Do you keep that? Uh, do, do you share your story and speak to groups with that? And it's the same thing with your yeah. with your artwork. Is there a website you could point us to? Or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So my website has everything. Um, it's michaelaruthcatherine.com. dot Michaela is M I K A Y L A. Ruth R U T H. Catherine catherin dot com.
1: So for our listeners, if you're interested to see more and read more about our guest this morning, Michaela, um, her website, MichaelaRuthCatherine.com, just as it sounds, uh, and she just spelled it, um, to see her paintings. We can see those dinosaurs, maybe, see the <laughs> saints, uh, uh, these images of saints, but also to hear more about her story. Um, it's so good. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, We have our our go-to guy behind the scenes, Eli, is with us. Eli, can you give us a little snapshot? What are we going to look at for tomorrow's Real Presence Live? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Great show today, a lot of really interesting segments. And we've got another great show coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That'll be hosted by Father David Richter and Lori Leffer, coming to you from St. John's in Minot, North Dakota. First, can you set aside an hour for God? Well, Father Greg Luger of the Diocese of Bismarck will tell us why that's a good thing. Then, Monsignor Douglas Grams from the Diocese of New Ulm will talk about sharing the gospel amid persecution. Plus, Father Nate Brunn from the Diocese of Crookston will talk about ministering to college students. All that and so much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That'll be tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Awesome. Thank you, Eli. Michaela, are you still there? Yes. Awesome. Thanks for sticking around. Um, Before (laughs) we finish off this morning's show... Um, would you be willing to give us any words of encouragement from what the Lord has been doing in your life for those of us who are listening? I know it's a loaded Um, question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jesus desires for you to be made whole, to be made well, um, to be healed, and to be who he created you to be.
1: Amen. Yeah. Amen. No, it's good. Thank you. Amen. It, Jesus desires for us to be whole. You know, Michaela was earlier talking about the hemorrhaging woman. You know, that's a scripture taken uh, from the gospel of Mark chapter five. and I think it's verses uh, 25 to 34. Um, mm-hmm. But Mark five, go to Mark five, uh, the hemorrhaging woman, because I think there's something there for us uh, to pray and reflect on today. Uh, indeed, as Jesus desires and uh, desires to make us whole, and uh, as we begin to cl- conclude this morning's uh, show, uh, I think God delivered on the theme of beauty—beauty beauty through suffering, uh, beauty through evangelization, being made whole. I think uh, Michaela, your your statement offers a great summary for us this morning. Uh, beauty through suffering for those who suffer with abortion. You know, uh, we continue to pray for those who suffer. Uh, having fallen for the lie of abortion and whatever pressures are there, whatever lies that are presented to us because they can be attractive. We continue to pray for our, those who suffer, that we can suffer wholly. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the feast of St. Paul.
0: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.